I hope that many of these conversations continue after, uh, after the service. Hopefully you feel welcome. This is your first time. Give opportunities to connect if you've been around for a bit. Uh, but just sweet to be together as a family. And uh, my name is Michael McKittrick, and I'm a church plant resident here at the Vine Church. And uh, grateful to be able to continue this series in the Ten Commandments. And this series has really been about God calling his people into the life that he really wants. That as a good creator God, he's designed life to work well a certain way, and he wants to give them some boundaries, some rules to, to govern what that good life is meant to be like. So they can be a reflection to the other nations around them, for us today to be a reflection to the world around us of the goodness of God in our communal life. And I think this seventh commandment that we're going to be looking at today is particularly helpful for that. It's a commandment that deals with God's boundaries around sex. And I think this is really important because actually our culture tends to say, we don't want any boundaries around this. No boundaries, no restrictions. And yet at the same time, in the rise of, say, the Me Too movement, we see in our culture that there are boundaries. That there are things that are wrong. There are lines to be crossed, and they destroy, and they hurt. And so God wants to give us a picture of what it's meant to be like that's good. Because our choice to walk away from God's design has led to brokenness and hurt. It's led to shame. And sharing more stories, as courageous as that is, will not fix the problem. And education alone can't fix it either, though it's a good thing, because the problem goes much deeper. And that's what I think Jesus is going to show us today as he reflects on this commandment. He's going to show us the depth of our problem. And I hope this morning what I've been really praying is that regardless of whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, curious to checking out Jesus or whatnot, that this morning you would see that Jesus' answer to the problem is deeper and truer, and his solution is better and more beautiful. That's, that's really my prayer. And my prayer is that we would really lean into, especially as a vine family, that we would lean into this call to be a community that reflects the beauty and goodness of Jesus to those around us. And so I think God's going to have some strong words for us today. And so I've been praying that we would avoid kind of two ditches, so to speak, One being that when we see the the high bar God calls us to, that we would avoid saying, well, that's just legalism. That's just a bunch of rules. What about grace? I don't want to deal with that. Instead, to see that God, when he raises a high bar, it's for our good and is inviting us to pursue that. But I also want us to avoid the other ditch of looking up at the bar and feeling like, yeah, I can't clear that. I'm guilty. God can't love me. And to wallow in shame and guilt. Because God doesn't want that either. He wants us to know that we're loved even when we fall short. And that he desires to pick us back up and say, let's go. You're part of my family. I love you. Even when you fall. And so I think if we keep those two dangers in mind and see the path that God has for us, we'll see his goodness for us. And my prayer is that we would really see the depth of the ugliness of our heart apart from Jesus so that we would see our need Jesus, because he's good. So I've been wrestling with how to get this balance right, and so I feel like I need help as I speak, and I think we all need help to listen well 
So let's just start off by praying and asking God for help this morning. Father, this morning, I'm thinking of the words of Psalm 8. How majestic is your name in all the earth. What are human beings that you're mindful of us? Yet you are. You care for us. You love us. You love us enough to teach us the good way to walk. And you love us enough to pick us up when we fall. So I pray this morning that you would help us just lean in. To hear from you. To receive your words as good words. And to taste the beauty of Jesus this morning in a fresh way. Or maybe for the first time. So would you help us this morning? Would you help me in my weakness to speak your words and only your words? Pray this in your name. Amen. So what is the seventh commandment? Well, Exodus 20.14 states, and it's, it's very short, do not commit adultery. And if we're going to really ask, what does that mean? What is adultery? I think we need to ask, what is the good design that God has for sex before we ask, why does he being some bad things. And it's kind of like when you're working on an engine. I don't work on engines, but in theory, right, if you, know, if you want to know how to fix a bad engine, you have to know how a good engine works, how the parts fit together. And if you don't know the original good design, it's really hard to see when it's gone wrong and how to fix it. And so what's the original good design? Well, we see it all the way back in Genesis 1 and 2. Before anything bad had entered the world, when everything was still good, Here's what we see in Genesis chapter 1. It says that God created man, that's mankind, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. God's good design at the beginning was one man and one woman joined together. Both of them, male and female, equally valuable. Both made in the image of God of God. But the image of God also meant not just value, but perfect. Called to reflect God, to be a little image of what he's like, so that when God says that his glory was to cover the whole world, it meant that there were to be people reflecting him all over the world, being little pictures of what God is like. And so that was God's original design. And, and we see more of it kind of zoomed in in chapter 2. And after he, he brings the first man and woman together, it says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. They're joined together. They're welded together to be one new thing. That was God's good design. And they're, they're naked. They're unashamed. There's, there's openness. There's vulnerability. There's nothing to be afraid of because there's no being used. There's no selfishness yet in the world. It's just good and beautiful. God says, that was my original design. No shame. But sadly, that's not the world we know. We know only a world in which we've all been hurt by others' sin and been hurt by our own sin and brokenness. And you see that over and over again in the pages of the Bible, that whenever we depart from God's good design, one man, one woman joined together, it always leads to destruction. It always leads to hurt. It always leads to brokenness. And God says, I don't want that for you. I want something better. 
We don't just have to look at the page of the Bible. We can look around at our, at our culture. We can look at the Me Too movement. We can look at our own lives and the lives of people we know and love and see so often the brokenness we've experienced around sexuality, the hurt. And God says, I want something better for you. And that's why he called his people 2,000 years ago, more than 2,000 years ago, when they came out of Egypt gave them this command and calls us today to say, I want you to live within my good design because it's for your good. And so he puts up boundaries around, says, stay within these boundaries. They're good. I like how one kind of biblical commentator summarizes this idea. He says this, the one flesh relationship of marriage involves a, a joining together of the man and the woman at all levels, social, economic, emotional, and physical. Adultery is the violation of this one flesh relationship. The intrusion of an outsider into the total, unique, and exclusive commitment which husband and wife are to have to each other. It's a breaking, a violation of this beautiful thing that God meant to join together. Any sexual joy fulfillment found outside of God's design is not good and ultimately hurtful. And some of you this morning have committed adultery. In a room this size, that's probably true. And I just want you to know we are so glad you're here. Because the church is a place for sinners to find grace and welcome from Jesus. There's no perfect people here. You won't find anybody here that's perfect. You're welcome here. We're so glad you're part of this family, if you're part of it. Others, you might be thinking, okay, that's, that's cool, but man, I'm so glad I got this command down. The other ones I struggled with, this one I got down. Well, before we say that, let's look at how Jesus talks about it in Matthew chapter 5. He says, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus says, look, you just thought the command was there to say, as long as I don't cross this one physical line, I'm good. I'm set. And Jesus says, that's not it at all, actually. That's not why I gave that command. It wasn't just so you could just stay below this little line. No, I'm actually calling you to something much deeper and richer, embracing God's overall good design for sex. He says, it's not just the physical act. It's about a look. And notice he doesn't say, well, you get off the hook because of how she was dressed, guys. No, he says it's your fault. You've got to own the lustful intent in your own heart. And he also clarifies this isn't just the unwanted look. No, it's the lustful look with intent. It's that second look. It's that imagining. It's that, oh, I wonder, that desires something it shouldn't desire. And Jesus says that is the same thing as committing adultery. It's the same thing. It's not just an act. It's about your heart. And it's not just for men, although he primarily addresses men here, Jesus. Because whether you're young or old, single or married, male or female, you can lust. You can desire sex in a way that's not good. And so we all need to lean in. And I think when we actually meditate on this and reflect on it, it's far-reaching. That's what I was doing this week because I was prepping this. I was trying to search my own heart and realizing Wow, this, this, is, this is heavy. 
There's a far reach to what Jesus is saying here because any time I look for some kind of sexual thrill outside of God's design of marriage, I'm committing adultery. So suddenly, pornography is not just bad because it objectifies people made in God's image. It's wrong because it's adultery. And not just pornography as our culture defines it, but any visual stimuli I look to to get a sexual buzz or a thrill is pornography is adultery, says Jesus. All of a sudden, there's a lot of categories gone from my brain of what could be adultery for me. And it's not just a look, but it's about the heart. So what if you're reading books or reading news articles that involve sexual acts and you're reading it to put those images in your brain? Adultery, says Jesus. Guilty. Or what about if your heart is is unduly attracted to someone that it shouldn't be because of your relationship with a spouse, maybe? And you feel your heart drawn in that way. Maybe it's not adultery yet, but is it the beginnings? Watch out, says Jesus. Where is your heart? See, Jesus knew that the physical act wasn't the whole of adultery. It was just the last step in the process that began with a heart that desired something it shouldn't. And so Jesus says, if you want to actually deal with this, you've got to go all the way to the root. You've got to get at the heart. And actually, this is confirmed by a lot of research we've seen where people that tend to commit sexual crimes, it's not the beginning of their story, it's the end. They were all ready for a long time before they engaged in all kinds of other illicit and on-the-edge sexual things that drove them to that. That was just the end. And that's why so often sexual crimes happen with lots of alcohol involved. Because normally, we know that there's lines you can't cross in society, even if our heart wants to. But you get enough alcohol in you, and you're not being as smart. And all of a sudden, the heart is exposed for what it wants. So if this is how Jesus defines adultery, the lustful look, the lustful heart, then who here in this room is not guilty. Who can say, no problem, I clear that bar. I can't. And we could be tempted to to lower the bar to say, well, at least I'm not as bad as Bill Cosby or all those guys caught in the Me Too movement. At least I'm not that bad. But that would miss the opportunity this morning that Jesus wants us to have to see the depths of our own ugly sin and see that we can't fix ourselves, so we need Jesus. We could try to qualify and lower the bar, or we can say, or I can say, I, Michael McKittrick, have committed adultery. And I can feel my own prideful heart saying, I, I want to qualify that. Just throw a, a million qualifiers on it so it doesn't sound so bad. If I did that, I'd miss the chance that God's given me this week to see my need for Jesus. To see how desperately ugly I am at the heart. To see that apart from God's grace, the Me Too movement would apply to me. That my heart is capable of that. That all of our hearts are capable of that. And so, the question is not,